This episode of Scandal Water contains adult themes and descriptions of violence. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Candy. Good to be back again recording. Yes, it is. Yeah, and I'm super excited about today's episode because this one is our listener request oh, for me. Oh, nice. And I don't know what this one is. I well, and I'm excited about that too, because I think you're going to be pumped when you hear what it is. This mm. is one of those topics that is actually fascinating, Okay. if if a little tragic, but, but super interesting. Our listener request came from friend and listener, Christine. And hello, Christine. <laughs> yes. Hello, Christine. And thank you. I'm going to ask you this question, and then I'll give you just a tiny bit more background about what made Christine suggest it. Here's the question that's going to give it away. Tell me what you know about Selena. Oh, that's really sad. I know. Gosh, that's really back in the recesses of my mind. She was unfortunately murdered by a super fan maid. I really... Super fan, but not maid. We'll, not we'll a maid. Okay. Yeah. It was a super fan. And I, I really don't remember a lot about mm-hmm. it. I remember when it happened and how tragic it was. Yes. And I know that it was Jennifer Lopez's breakout role. It was, She yes. played this... But I have not seen the film. So whatever you tell me today is going to be really fresh knowledge. All right. I bet things will come back to you as Maybe. Talk, yeah, for sure. Well, Selena has actually been in the news a lot recently. Well, actually, several reasons. One is that this past March 31st of 2022 was the 27th anniversary of her death when she would have been 50. Golly. So that sparked a lot of social media posts mm-hmm. and, and remembrances. And there's actually been a new series that came out not that long ago, 2020 to 2021, called Selena the Series that oh. ran for two seasons. And then, of course, we had the 25th anniversary of the same movie that you just mentioned that biopic on Selena that J-Lo starred in so that sparked a lot okay. of remembrances and J-Lo had a social media post and so she's she's been in the news quite a bit recently okay so yeah. 25 years ago for the movie 27 so they made the movie two, two years, years after her death oh, that's pretty quick mm, they did especially and considering the turnaround with pre-production and all that absolutely and we'll talk about why it happened so quickly okay. because that was actually very intentional oh, okay but but while she was tragically stolen from the world at a time when she was just headed into superstardom, mm-hmm. obviously what we're saying is she is still very relevant today, mm-hmm. still very beloved and remembered for the massive contributions that she made both musically and culturally and still very much missed. So I appreciated the suggestion knowing mm-hmm. all of those things mm-hmm. about Selena. And what makes it even more cool is that here's the backstory. Christine said the reason for suggesting this topic was because she is a teacher. Mm-hmm. She 
teaches Spanish 4 to a small group of seniors at a nearby Christian educational consortium. So one of her assignments this semester was for her students to study Selena's biography. And so she thought this would be a fascinating topic for us to cover. She listens to our podcast. And as a little bonus, I asked if perhaps some of her seniors could share with us a few of their insights as to what they discovered that was striking about Selena or what was inspirational to them about her. So we're going to sprinkle throughout this episode a few of those insights from these Spanish for senior students. Very cool. It's very interactive today. Yeah, very interactive. So let's go ahead and start with the history. Okay. So Selena Quintanilla was born on April 16th, 1971 to Abraham Quintanilla Jr. and Marcella Quintanilla in Lake Jackson, Texas. And her father was very musically inclined himself. He had been in a band for years, of course, before she was even born is when he started with that. It was a band called Los Dinos that played Tejano music, which is a mixture of American rock music and traditional Mexican music. I looked it up just to make sure that I got this right. And according to Encyclopedia Britannica, they defined it as a popular music style fusing Mexican, European, and U.S. influences. I like that. Mm -hmm. So Abraham recognized Selena singing talent at a very young age. The story goes that he was teaching her older brother, Abraham, who they usually call AB, to play guitar when Selena began to sing. Mm. And again, she's like six. He had his children. There was an older daughter named Suzette. He had all three of his children involved with music, basically their entire childhoods. But it was decided around the time that Selena was nine or ten-ish that she would be the lead singer in a band that he created. He was kind of pulling off of his old band, their title. He created this new band called Selena y los Dinos, which was basically comprised of the three of his children. Mm. We had Selena's lead singer, we had A.B. on bass guitar, and we had Suzette on the drums. Mm-hmm. And so this, this musical group was playing at weddings, at clubs, at parties, all around their native Texas area. But in 1981, things became more serious because the family actually lost their house mm. after their dad's newly opened Tex-Mex restaurant went under. Mm. And so Selena talked in some interviews about how their band became very important in terms of supporting the family. Mm -hmm. And she's about 10 now, if it's 81. Yes, exactly. That's a lot of pressure for a little girl. Mm -hmm. She had the quote in People Magazine back in 1992. That's when we began our musical career. We had no alternative. Mm -hmm. So she actually left school behind when she was in eighth grade. She later got her GED through a correspondence course, but her family kind of lived on the road. Now they moved to Corpus Christi and that's where they were listed as living, but a lot of their time was spent basically out of a van. They were touring South Texas. They were playing any gig that they could get. And this was their primary source of income. And Selena, again, in the same interview, if we got 10 people in one place, that was great. We ate a lot of hamburgers (laughs) and shared everything. Mm. I lost a lot of my teenage period, but I got a lot out of it too. I was more mature. So this was how Selena spent a lot of her childhood. She and, of course, her siblings. But she enjoyed it. It was tough, I think, but she enjoyed it. She grew up speaking English, but her father wanted her to sing in Spanish because he knew that that would resonate with the Latino community. Yeah, that's smart. Mm-hmm. So it talked about in several different sources that she learned the lyrics phonetically at first and then eventually became fluent in Spanish. Okay. And this was something that one of our Spanish students commented on. Mm. Kaylin, one of the students in Christine's class, mentioned that she was very impressed by the work Selena put into learning Spanish using TV, music, different things to help her out in addition to just straight 
straight up studying it. Mm-hmm. And Kaylin said, quote, she inspired me because of how disciplined she was in wanting to do what she loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was the discipline, but there was also that urgency because it was necessary to support her family. That's true. So all of that traveling and performing paid off when in 1987, when Selena was only 15 years old, she won the Tejano Music Award for Female Vocalist. 15. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And that was the first of an unbelievable number of awards she would go on to win. I did not look this up specifically, but I believe after that first win, she won awards at every consecutive music award, the Tejano Music Awards, for, for like eight or nine years in a row. She Her was just, voice must have been incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was just Even at that young in. age. It was. In fact, just as a side note, I looked up a few of her videos mm-hmm. and listened to them. Oh, beautiful. Oh, beautiful. And she was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And so had so much stage presence. Mm. Yeah, such a loss. But all this to say, she was really starting to make waves in this Tejano music community, which was very male dominated. This was something that came up time and time and time again in my research. They would talk about the fact that it was hard to break into this because this was a male dominated field. Mm. And so she had to work and push. But once she broke into it, like she stole the show. Oh, I mean, this beautiful, charismatic, loving, kind person who was super talented, she just made waves. All of these awards, all of this attention led to Selena's landing her first record deal. Well, I should say kind of a a higher level record deal because she'd been doing some small things with small labels, I believe. But her first real accomplishment in terms of, of securing a record deal was when she landed EMI Records in 1989. And that was actually the same year that she met the man she would end up marrying. Oh, I didn't know she was married. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His name was Chris Perez and he wrote a book at one point. So some of the quotes come from his book. Some quotes come from articles and different sources about them, but I'll briefly fill you in on their whole romance. Okay. So here we go. So according to him, he said he first met Selena when he joined her band in 1989. A few sources said it was 1990, but somewhere right around in there. And supposedly Selena's older brother, AB, was the one who recruited Chris to join the band. But it was, of course, it's Abraham who hired him. I should say this. Abraham managed everything. Their dad. The dad. Okay. Yes. The dad was really very much um, in control, I okay. think, of all of their careers. He was super smart. He knew music. He knew how to manage things. So he was a heavy presence in okay. all this. Okay. He was the dadager. Like the Kardashian <laughs> mom is the momager. <laughs> so Chris was a guitarist. And in his 2012 book, which again was, I should say the title, it was called To Selena With Love, mm. he wrote that he was impressed by how the group was quote adding unique sounds to Tejano music and of course he was very impressed by Selena's powerful voice that was another thing that he commented upon now Selena was just barely 18 apparently when she met Mm -hmm. him he was a couple years older and he said that at first they were polar opposites but they were attracted to each other Mm. he just he couldn't say enough about how lively and outgoing she was and of course she liked being the center of attention he said he was very quiet like to stay back you know kind of in the out of the limelight introvert extrovert yep a tale as old as time (laughs) and uh supposedly this wasn't widely publicized but he had a girlfriend at the time they met too so you know that wasn't something that i I don't think that appeared in the movie Mm, probably not now abraham did not want anybody dating in that band Mm. 
And so this conflict. Yeah, everybody knew this was a no no. But supposedly Wait, he didn't want them dating or the band members dating? Um, it didn't specifically say, but I believe well, first of all, Chris was supposed to be a little long haired, I think a little edgy. So Mm -hmm. I think there was definitely a little bit of dad protectiveness Mm -hmm. thinking that maybe Chris was um not good enough for his daughter. Or a little edgier than what he wanted for his daughter. But it sounded to me like he didn't necessarily want his daughter dating anybody at this time. Right. He was kind of the protective dad and she is young. She is only 18. And, and he's wanting this band to take off and he is seeing her on the cusp of it. Well, and if he didn't want them to date because they were in the same band, what if they dated and then they broke up and he's like, well, now I've lost a good musician too. There's that. Of course, mm-hmm. we're speculating a lot, but I think... Armchairing. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. But according to these different sources, the sparks of romance started while the band was on vacation in Acapulco. Mm, beautiful Acapulco. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris said that it was in Mexico that Selena was truly free to be herself. That was his quote. And reportedly, they held hands for the first time on their plane ride home after they'd hit some turbulence. Oh, that's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. And after the trip, their dynamic changed. He said, quote, our feelings for each other had begun to build after that trip to Mexico, despite the constant scrutiny of Selena's parents and their band members within the close quarters of the bus. Because again, they did a lot of touring on their bus, yeah. which they called Big Bertha. That's <laughs> cute. So the two began seeing each other secretly. And of course, they eventually confessed how they were You'd feeling. You'd have to. You're mm-hmm. in a van. There's not a lot of secrets in a van. Yeah. And this is so sweet. He had another quote where he said, after they had told each other how they felt, Selena had the biggest smile on her face when we were walking back to the bus afterward. I wanted to tell her, hey, quit smiling. You're going to give it away. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quote to Texas Monthly. So they had their first kiss, supposedly near their tour bus, Big Bertha, mm-hmm. and got caught by a band member, Rick. Mm-hmm. He warned them they needed to be careful because everybody knew Abraham would not approve of this. Mm -hmm. So again, this was something they were keeping on the down low. At one point, Abraham spoke to Texas Monthly and he gave his perspective on this. Here's what he said. I saw him as a threat. What if they got married and he pulled her out of the band? Mm. All the work we did all those years would go down the tubes. And now Chris's perspective. He says, I was ready to support Selena in whatever she wanted to do. But he didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They just needed to have a sit down. No. Communication people. I know. Come on, guys. <laughs> we need to start a new career where we're just like, we're going to sit down together and you're going to say how you feel. They tell us and then the other side tells us. We're like, you guys agree. Just sit down and talk. <laughs> Simple. So Chris believes it was Selena's older sister, Suzette, who told Abraham what was going on. Oh, Suzette. And there was definitely a blow up. Mm. Abraham's remembrance is that he didn't know what was going on until he saw them hugging at some point. And here's his quote. I stopped the bus in Harlingen at two or three o'clock in the morning and exploded. I fired Chris on the spot. I dropped him off in a Whataburger parking lot and said, you find your way home. And then supposedly somewhere in here, he also called Chris a cancer to the family. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. So Chris was out of the band, but he said at that point he was tired of sneaking around. He he didn't feel like Abraham was treating him respectfully enough anyway. Mm. So he wanted out and he moved back to San Antonio, but the couple could not stay away from each other. Mm. They would see each other when they could. They were sneaking around still. Abraham caught wind of it again and so tried to keep them away. And here, what happened was Selena showed up at Chris's hotel in Corpus Christi at some point when he was there and she said... There's no other way. We have to elope. So as Chris remembers it, you know, Selena was the one pushing forward. And he said, well, what about this big wedding you've always wanted? Yeah. 
And she said, quote, that's never going to happen, Chris. So they went that day to a courthouse. She was 20. He was 22. He said he had jeans and a t-shirt on Mm -hmm. when he went to the courthouse. And they had their courthouse wedding. Oh. Yeah. For him, he said the wedding was a turning point. Quote, I felt with great certainty that remembering those marriage vows would always be a sort of glue holding us. We had every intention of living happily ever after. Nobody could stop us from doing that now. Mm. Quick side note is that when we get to later when we talk about the J-Lo movie about Mm -hmm. Selena, Abraham was at first a little upset. They portrayed it that Selena was the one who pushed for the elopement because he thought that that portrayed her as being rebellious and and he didn't really like the way that it came across. But ultimately, they did show it. I mean, Chris insisted this is the way it happened. Yeah. So they showed it. Okay. Okay. So eventually, Abraham accepted Chris as part of the family. He actually gave them one of the homes he owned in Texas, which was near his house. Chris rejoined the band. And Abraham even says, I'm sorry I pushed you kids into a corner. Let's just continue on from here. We'll go on doing what we were doing as a band and we'll move forward over this bump in the road. That's a quote taken from Chris's book about this situation. Okay. He kind of did Romeo and Juliet him. You know, mm-hmm. you keep yeah. saying they can't see each other. You can't. It's just going to make that even more desirable, which it sounds like they were genuine anyway, but... Yeah, and you make a good point because they had some bumps. At one point, mm-hmm. they talked about getting divorced and they mm-hmm. were together not quite three years. So it wasn't like it was all, you know, sunshine and roses. Right, right. But they but, were also very young. But they were very young. And overall, they were very happy. Just one last little note about their married life just because I knew you'd be interested in this. (laughs) They loved animals. So they adopted five dogs and they also, this part did not make me happy, they had a pet snake. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Chris wanted one so they adopted a ball python named Bugsy. And apparently once the four foot long snake escaped from its aquarium and embedded itself in the mattress. No, no, no. No. uh -uh. No. No, no, sir. Okay. All right. So let's move back into the timeline of Selena's singing career. All right, we've kind of taken that little detour. Remember, they got married around, I think it was 1990. So it was in 1991 that Selena released her first song, Buenos Amigos, which was a duet with a Salvadoran singer songwriter, Alvaro Torres. And that landed at number one on Billboard's Latin chart. That was huge. Yeah. Okay. So again, she's making waves. She is making a splash. So one of the things that did make her stay out again I don't know if we've brought this out enough, was that she had her own style. Her clothing was very distinctive. She, if you look at any of her videos, of course she was gorgeous, but she would have on midriff bearing outfits and she, you know, kind of sometimes you'd see her in bell-bottom things or just very bright, colorful clothing. And so she stood out in many ways. Mm -hmm. And this leads us into another quote from one of our students named Nathan. And here is what he said. I admire Selena because she was truly herself. Rather than following the typical celebrities' clothing and music styles, Selena was truly unique. Through her wild style and powerful voice, Selena showed that individuality should be celebrated. I like that. Yeah. So she quickly became the biggest star of Tejano music with millions of records sold worldwide. And she's actually credited for taking Tejano music into kind of the mainstream of... And this is still the family band, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Still the family band. So at this point, she is winning awards. She's one thing after another. She made history in the 1994 Grammys by becoming the first 
female Tejano artist to win Best Mexican Slash American Album. And her album, Amor Prohibido, sold more than 1 million copies and became the best-selling Latin album of the year for 1994. Three of her albums reached platinum-selling status. There were just several things in this short amount of time. That is a lot. And she... So that's why I ask about the family band. She is winning all of this stuff or the band is winning it and she's the front person? At this point, she's still with the band. She is the front person. She's, I believe, the one getting the most celebrity, though. Okay. So it's kind of like a solo artist, but the others are her backup? Or is it a... is it a like is it a family thing and maybe i'm just stuck on this point because i'm wondering how her siblings are feeling about all this well i wonder that too because sister already tattled on her so there had to be a little (laughs) bit of (laughs) well even the name of the band was selena y los dinos if i'm saying that correctly so she was the face of it and she was the one getting i mean she's the one winning all the awards right like now you did sometimes see her band winning awards Uh but she was winning awards as best female vocalist or this you know these different things gotcha So she was getting a lot of the acclaim, Mm -hmm. but she was with them. She was performing with the band. I will ask the listeners to check me on this, but my understanding is around the time she died, it was kind of hard to tell in the wording of the sources, but I wondered if she was getting ready to push into an English language album. And I wondered if that was with her band or by herself. Okay. I wasn't sure of that point because it was a little difficult to, to tell in the sources. Okay. But that, my understanding is until the time she died, all of the albums had been with her band. Okay. Okay. So in the early months of 1995, before her death, Selena was basically at the height of her career. And this was what we just talked about. This was laying the groundwork for her long-awaited crossover into the mainstream English market. Okay. They thought this was going to cause her to explode. Like oh, Madonna, which was I kind bet. of uh, somebody, you know. To compare to back right, then. Right, at that, at that time. And she was already, different people made the comment, she was already known by one name. You know, mm-hmm. you know how many artists mm-hmm. are like the one name Elvis Madonna share sure. you know that type of thing she'd already gotten to that point they thought this was going to do it for her I bet it would have yeah she had the four studio albums and a Grammy for best Mexican American album under her belt plus all these other awards in the Tejano industry and she was in the process of recording this first English language album called Dreaming of You when she was killed it would oh, it would go on actually after her death to set records oh. for release day album sales so just a month or so before her murder on February 26th of 1995. Oh, that's she, my birthday. Mm. Yeah. She performed with her band for more than 60,000 people at the Houston Astrodome wearing the famous iconic purple pantsuit. And a few days later, she attended the Grammy Awards for a second time where her fourth studio album, Amor Prohibido, was nominated for Best Mexican American Performance. I don't believe she won that one, but the okay. nomination was an honor. Yeah, it is. She was also at this time recording I Could Fall in Love with a noted songwriter and producer named Keith Thomas in Franklin, Tennessee. And then outside of music, she had started these boutiques called Selena, etc. She'd launched them just a year before this. She had two locations in San Antonio and of course her hometown of Corpus Christi, Texas. Well, they called it her hometown, but she was technically born in Jackson. Right. But she grew up in Corpus Christi. She had adopted that place. Yeah, exactly. She was associated with Corpus Christi. These were, again, Texas-based boutiques that had in-house salons and they sold her signature line of clothing and jewelry so Mm. like she was developing the selena brand yeah yeah and getting into this business world her two locations were managed by this woman named yolanda saldivar who also was the president of selena's fan club and was a trusted confidant of selena and 
she's going to be important. Okay. So we're going to come back to her. Okay. Yeah. So at this time, just to say it again, she was on top of the world. People, by the way, called her the queen of Tejano music. She was viewed as already as an icon. She was a role model for so many different people. Like a lot of young Latino girls looked up to her because Mm -hmm. she was this picture of a successful woman in both music. Really starting from nothing too. Yes. Music, fashion, moving into business. I mean, she was it. Plus, I don't think I've said this yet, but everything I've heard about her tells me that she was just the kindest. Oh, that's so good to know. Nicest, most humble person. That's really good to know. So maybe that'll help my thinking with the family band if she was really kind and humble Mm -hmm. and nice. It's really easy to be supportive of those kind of people who are getting all these accolades if you're a family member. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel better. Yeah. I'll I'll just quickly share this anecdote that I read yesterday. Apparently, when she was working on this album, that, that the crossover album into English language, she was recording in the studio one day and she wanted to she just suddenly said you know what I'm gonna make a little Mexican meal for the team and so they had some groceries and she started whipping this up and because they were recording in the studio there were other you know sections where different artists were working and supposedly Winona Judd walks out (laughs) sees this young girl cooking and thinks she's a chef oh no and says to her oh if I go get some groceries you know would you make us some food too and Selena tells her of course (laughs) I'll have to check and see when they need me again but yeah I'd be happy to make you food and that's when Winona says oh my goodness you're you're an artist you you're you're here working on your craft and was mortified I'd be so embarrassed yeah absolutely mortified in fact whoever was telling this story it was somebody in the music industry said that he teases Winona about it to this day Mm -hmm. but that's how Selena responded Mm. she was just like like of course do you know who I am no it was sure well she's already making food Mm -hmm. for the team Mm -hmm. and then she's like of course I'll make you food you know Let me just check on things. I mean, she was just that kind of person. And just another quick observation. I heard different fans comment that she's the one who would hang around no matter how tired she was. If there were fans who wanted pictures or an autograph or something like that, she was going to do it. Mm. So she was just that person. Well, before we move into the tragic part, Mm. maybe this would be a good time to take a break. Yes, so we can extend this happiness just a little longer. So Yolanda Saldivar first came into the Quintanilla's family's life in 1991. She was actually, I think, around 30 years old, and she was a registered nurse at that time who was born in Texas. She was older than Selena, of course, by something like 11 years. And from the word go, she claimed to be Selena's biggest fan. Mm -hmm. Supposedly, she called Abraham, I mean, incessantly and and pushed and pushed and pushed because she wanted to create a Selena fan club. Mm. And they gave her permission. So later that same year she founded the Selena fan club and of course she was the president and people called her Selena's biggest fan but many people you know especially reflectively called her a super fan and said she was just almost obsessive Mm. yeah so over time though Selena was incredibly trusting that was a descriptor I heard over and over and over again that Selena was just the most warm-hearted open and trusting person Mm -hmm. and so Yolanda and Selena became very close Mm -hmm. in fact Selena grew to trust Yolanda so much 
much that these boutiques that we talked about, she put Yolanda in charge of them. Mm. So let's think about this. She was over the fan club. She was over these boutiques. Mm -hmm. She had a lot of access to Selena's finances Mm. because she was the one, if people joined the fan club and they paid their dues or they bought um, merchandise, Yolanda's the one who handled that and would be supposed to send them, make sure that they got their merchandise. Okay. Or one person who gave some, some testimonial on a podcast I listened to, she talked about the fact that Yolanda was actually in charge of paying her as an employee for Selena. So she had a lot of power and access to... And influence. And influence, exactly. And the whole family was close to Yolanda. It sounded like they all really liked her and trusted her. She was a bridesmaid in Suzette's wedding. So despite the fact that the family really liked her, again, I don't know how much of this was people looking back and seeing things... Hindsighting it. Hindsight, exactly. Or if they were seeing things at the time. But I saw numerous things that seemed like red flags. Mm -hmm. Lots of oddities, things that just were not right. I'll give you just a few examples. Okay. When Selena would perform in San Antonio, oftentimes Yolanda would be by her side. According to Texas Monthly, they said she liked to be Selena's eyes and ears. She was very kind of possessive. That was a word people used. She was a little possessive. She wanted to be with her a lot. And that doesn't seem like anything bad. But here's here's a more, I think... Scary. Yeah, Yeah. telling example. People described her as a loner and one woman who moved into an apartment with Yolanda at one point. I think they were trying to share for expenses. She discovered that Yolanda didn't just have pictures of Selena on her walls. She described the whole place as looking like a shrine. No, 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 And that woman moved out after only two weeks. Yeah, no. A different example was a man named Martin Gomez, who was a designer who shared office space with Yolanda while she managed Selena's clothing line. He quit six weeks before the murder. And at that time, he told the Washington Post that he had called Selena. And here's what he said. The last call I had with Selena, the last call, I told her to be careful. It was very weird. I was very afraid of Yolanda, but I never thought she would hurt Selena. I never thought it would come to this. God. And just a third example was a seamstress. It's the same woman, actually, who said that she had trouble getting pay from Yolanda. Okay. The seamstress commented about Yolanda being very possessive and even trying to divert her, even to the point to where she felt like Yolanda wanted to be in the limelight herself, that oh, really? she wanted a lot of attention. She liked being with Selena because she kind of got to steal some, some of the... that spotlights filtered in on her, like she's standing next to her. Exactly. Mm. And she told the story of one time when Selena had said to this seamstress, you know, oh, we're, the media's coming. I want you to be beside me. And Yolanda then tells the seamstress right before the media gets there, hey, we forgot to set up like a cookie punch table. Could you handle that? And this lady suspected it was just because she wanted her out of the way. She mm. didn't want her getting some attention from Selena or the press. Mm. She, you know, so just red flags. Lots of red flags. Yeah. But the real problem was they realized Yolanda was was mismanaging and even embezzling some of the funds. A few months before Selena's death, Abraham received several complaints from people such as people from the fan club who said, I sent him my money, but I never got my merchandise or I never got that little bag of goodies that you're supposed to get when you join. He was getting a lot of complaints from the fan club and there were other things that caused him to start looking into the finances. And when he investigated, he discovered by his count, it 
looked as though Yolanda had embezzled more than $30,000 from the boutiques and the fan club. This is from a news report that came out at the murder trial. So in early March of 1995, I'm not sure if it was the family or just Abraham, but they confronted Yolanda. And Abraham apparently fired her at that time. Like he, he felt like he had enough that he just needed her gone. Yeah. But when they fired her, Yolanda still had access to documents and paperwork and like those fan club records that they needed to try to make things right. Yeah. So it, it sounds like dad jumps the gun and likes to just fire people immediately. And maybe he needs to be a little more diplomatic, get that stuff first and then fire her. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Yolanda, can we have a copy of this? We need something. And then go away. Right. Or get those lawyers in there. Yeah. Yeah. Find a way to make sure that this this is handled. But um, that's all hindsight, you know. Of course. It's he easy did the for best us to he say could. this now, yeah. But it sounds as though there were a lot of interactions because they were trying to work things out. There were allegations that they were making against each other. I'm sure she's defending herself. There were these ongoing discussions where they're trying to get the documents from her. And this is an inference. I could not find where they specifically said this, but it sounded also as though knowing how close they were that Yolanda may have also been appealing to Selena's friendship and sympathies and trying to her get her, sweet nature mm-hmm, trying to get her to kind of like you know talk to me let me explain things to you let me defend myself a little bit so all of these things are going on but what ultimately happens is according to this one source for a time Yolanda just kind of went off the radar and disappeared and it was during this time that she supposedly purchased a 38 caliber <sighs> pistol which was around two weeks before the murder and then she reappeared in Corpus Christi and again there was a little bit of ambiguity around this some sources said that Yolanda invited Selena to come to the Days Inn Motel in Corpus Christi to meet and talk with her one source said that it was Selena who set up the meeting one source said that Yolanda had kind of almost, now they didn't use the word lured, but it kind of sounded like that. Yeah. That she claimed she had been raped and she was looking for Selena to come and comfort her and that that was a way she tried to get Selena to come to the motel. I'm not exactly sure how that played out. Different sources Mm -hmm. had different versions. But for whatever reason, on March 31st of 1995, Selena went to the Days Inn Motel in Corpus Christi to meet with Yolanda and we do know that she was trying to collect documents those you know those records that's definitely one of the purposes mm-hmm. for that Which now she probably thought we're good friends i can go reason with her she'll give them to me mm-hmm. that's that's what i wonder or even who knows maybe she was thinking we can work this out maybe. we can make this right maybe you know who knows but this is where i'll bring in another insight from one of our friends from the spanish class brayden brayden says selena impacted me through the way she always believed the best of people until the very end she loved yolanda and sought to see the good in her heart selena was a young girl in a brutal industry, but she still believed there was good in people. Which kind of, yeah, that touched me too. Because I'm sure that that was part of why she went. She yeah. did. She still trusted Yolanda. Yeah. She probably never dreamed anything bad back could to, happen I, to her I've, that day. I know. I feel like, I think we talked about this in the Rebecca Schaefer episode. You wish that there was classes for these sweet, trusting girls to go, this is not the way the world is. This just, I don't even know. It just feels like there needs to be some kind of boot camp for when you become uber famous or want to become uber famous the pitfalls of it because this is this happens way too much still it does happen way too much but but again you said still and you remind me this was 1995 yes i mean 
things weren't quite as awful and these kinds of incidents were probably not as prevalent back then. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Well, let's go ahead and move back into this. So Selena went to the motel. According to some of the staff who were there at the motel, the two did argue. And apparently at one point, Yolanda pulls out that 38 caliber revolver and she aimed it at Selena. Selena tried to run away, but Yolanda shot her once in the back. Mm. The bullet shattered an artery in her collarbone Mm. before exiting her chest. And according to a, a report in the Associated Press, the effects of that negatively impacted her brain function. Oh, gosh. So they, she died, did she just die immediately? No, oh. no. Things were pieced together. They have 911 transcripts from that day. They had testimony at trial from different people who were there at the motel who were firsthand witnesses. Yeah. And then we'll get to it in a minute, but we actually had some things from Yolanda herself. So okay. putting all these pieces together, here's what happened. People in the motel saw Selena running and screaming down one of the motel corridors with Yolanda chasing after her. And then this person telling the story says they recalled Yolanda stopping just short of the lobby, lowering her gun, and then returning back to her room, which was room 158. And so then the front desk clerk, a woman named Shauna Vila, recalled that Selena burst into the motel lobby crying and she said, lock the door, she'll shoot me again. Oh no, she already been shot yes that yeah she'd shot her back in the in the room wait so she shot her in the room and you said it impact negatively impacted her brain function but she was still conscious and moving at this time yes it 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 was it hadn't taken full impact on her yet full effect on her yet i know so this next part comes from the interaction with the 911 operator a clerk said we have a woman ran into the lobby she's been shot she's laying on the floor and there's blood the 911 operator said how old is she the clerk replied she looks about 20 the 911 operator said she's in the lobby right now and the clerk replied yes ma'am she just passed out So at this point, Selena was bleeding, collapsed on the lobby floor. But before she lost consciousness, she made a point to identify Yolanda as her killer. Because according to the report from a man named Ruben DeLeon, who was the, the sales director for this motel, he said that she said Yolanda Saldivar in room 158. Wow. She named. Wow. She named and her she killer. Had the, she had the capacity to just think clearly and go, if this is the last thing I have to do, I'm going to say who did this. Those were her last words. Those were her last words? Those were her last oh, words. Oh, gosh. She was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance where she died mm. and it was days before her third wedding anniversary oh, and not too long before her 24th birthday so she Show. was only 23 she was such a baby yeah so meanwhile yolanda ends up going out and getting into a pickup truck i believe in the parking lot of that days in motel and she still got the gun and proceeds to have something like a 10 hour standoff where she's threatening to shoot herself and there's a negotiator on the line with her a podcast that i listened to just the first part of it but it was very interesting it was called selena a star dies in texas they had actual audio recording of some of that conversation with negotiator so you could hear her voice and what she was saying oh yes so disturbing but for hours she's in the car threatening 
to hurt herself and they eventually talked her down. But all these people, the news report had gone out of what had happened. All these people were gathering in the motel parking lot. In fact, a reporter named Irma Garza from KGBT, which was a CBS news channel down there, she showed up. She'd only been an anchor person for like a couple of months and she ends up here at this site. And so she had some quotes. One of them was, there was an enormous amount of people that were waiting to see what happened and how Selena was doing. But then while they're there, well, she was pronounced dead while they were there. In fact, Yolanda heard it over the news report while she was in the car still negotiating with this person. So... Did they name her in the news report too? I don't know that part. Okay. I just know they they reported that Selena had died. And that set Yolanda off because she kept talking. One of the things she kept saying was, I have no dignity left. And of course, this was her best friend. Mm -hmm. So back to this news reporter, she said, quote, the people would not leave even in the rain. They didn't start to leave until Yolanda Yolanda got out of the truck. At that point, it was quiet. Then someone yelled, they got her. And when they took her down, the cheers erupted. Oh, golly. So, yeah. So these people, I think at that point, knew, if they didn't know her name, they knew this person in the standoff obviously was the person who'd done it. Wow. And and good for them to restrain themselves and not try to do mob justice. Mm That would have been scary. Yeah. So in terms of why she did it, Yolanda has always maintained, even till today, that the shooting was an accident. You don't accidentally shoot someone in the back of a... Well, Bernie said that, but he... I don't know. Yeah. You don't accidentally do that. Selena's father, Abraham, said she was, quote, the trusting victim of an obsessed, unbalanced fan who stole thousands of dollars from the singer's businesses and then killed Selena after realizing she had been cut from her life. That yeah, was that's his what take I, on it. I agree with him so far from what you've said. And then a lead prosecutor in the murder trial that would end up happening had this quote, Yolanda wanted to kill Selena because Selena was firing Yolanda. She wouldn't exist if she didn't have Selena. And if she didn't work for Selena, she didn't want to work for anybody. So those those were some different takes on mm-hmm. it from you know different people's perspective. Ultimately, Yolanda was found guilty of first-degree murder. She was sentenced to life in prison. Over the years, she continued to maintain her innocence and filed for several appeals, which went nowhere. But she is expected to be eligible for parole in 2025. Really? Eligible for parole? That probably doesn't mean she'll get out, but yeah, she's yeah. eligible. Okay. Selena's death, of course, was marked by this unbelievably massive massive public outpouring of emotion. According to one source, over 60,000 fans attended her public viewing at the Bayfront Convention Center and then massive crowds also gathered for a mass in her honor that was held at the LA Sports Arena where she was supposed to have performed that day. She was buried at the Seaside Memorial Cemetery in Corpus Christi, Texas on April 3rd, 1995. The private funeral was broadcast live and in Chris's memoir, he wrote that guests were asked to place white roses on her coffin and he said by the time selena was buried a two-foot pile of roses was piled on top of the oh coffin gosh. yeah so a quick note about those white roses i looked this up because i noticed as i remember i mentioned i i listened to or watched a few of her music videos yes. and there was a white rose down in the bottom corner and so when i and and here he has asked people to put it on the coffin so i wanted to know why yeah and when i looked it up there were several notes about this one of them was that it was selena's favorite flower and a white rose was mm-hmm. okay and it sounded like even when she was performing people were starting to associate that with her because it was her favorite flower 
power and also that idea of her purity, purity. and her innocence mm-hmm. and how much she just loved the music and loved people. Mm-hmm. So it was already associated with her. But then I saw something in a People magazine article that just kind of got me. It said that Selena had had a repeated dream many times before she was killed that many think was a premonition of her death and it involved a white rose. What? supposedly it did frighten Selena a little bit. It concerned her. But in this dream, she reportedly would see a white rose that was thrown at her, but she could never catch the rose or see who threw it. And at the end of the dream, there would always be this appearance of a white light. Mm. Then something that else that came out related to this was this video recording of Selena as she was driven away from her final televised concert at the Houston Astrodome on February 26, 1995, the one we talked about. Mm-hmm. Again, it was just weeks before she died. But in that video, you can see a fan throwing a white rose to Selena, but she didn't catch <gasps> it or even see it. So in that video, it lands on the ground behind her as she's smiling and waving goodbye to the audience. Oh my gosh. So it seem to become yeah very symbolic so this white rose is still of course associated with selena it's it's symbolic it appears at the end of the selena biopic that we're about to talk about okay now and also again on these videos it's it's there so selena's last album the one that we've mentioned before the crossover one was called dreaming of you and it was released posthumously in 1995 came out less than four months after her death and it was the first album by a latin artist to debut at number one on the billboard 200 had she finished it or was it partially done do you know you know what it was not mentioned i think she must have had it finished because it didn't talk about any specific things they had to do okay and then of course not long after came the selena movie that we've now mentioned several times Mm -hmm. in september of 1995 just six months after selena's death they started to work on this because the family pushed for it okay they wanted selena remembered and they wanted something to honor her and their goal was they wanted it out by the second anniversary of her death in 1997 oh okay so that is ambitious that it was so this man named gregory nava was the one who wrote and directed the film, and he did it right. He had several in-depth interviews with all these different people who knew Selena and were involved in her story, parents and the siblings and her husband. He used concert footage and home movies to get to know her better. He even toured with her band, who continued to perform after her death, to get a better idea of what life on the bus was like, all kinds of things. Wow. Yeah, here's a quote from him. The events I was depicting were all very recent. Other biopics, you're so far removed that people's memories change change. They forget things. But when I was interviewing people for this, it had just happened. Yeah, just happened. mm -hmm. He said, I think that's one of the reasons the film is so unlike any other biopic. I need to watch this. It really is good. I haven't seen the whole thing. It's funny. I I was covering a class one day that was watching it. And I remember being like, this is Is really good. Okay. So now I have to go back and watch the whole thing. So the first draft of the script was finished in early March 1996. That's like a year later. Yeah, that's a lot of research. And that's impressive. Mm -hmm. And the filmmakers immediately went into casting. In San Antonio, Miami, Chicago, New York, and LA, more than 20,000 women and young girls girls audition for the title role. It was the second largest casting search since the one for Scarlett O'Hara. I was going to say Gone, with, Gone the wind. with the Wind. So Gone with the in Wind in 1939. And then this. Yes. Oh this was the next gosh. largest since that. The second largest since then. 
So the audition process was apparently very strenuous. For Jennifer Lopez, it said it took a week. It was a week-long audition process. I don't know if that's because she was being considered and she yeah. had to keep coming back. That's what I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah. But she wasn't the dad's first choice. And really? apparently Abraham had, you know, the family had some big voice in this yeah, apparently. Yeah. But he reveals that it was her reading of the elopement scene that won him over. He said, quote, in three takes, she had it. Mm. So she got the part. And one of the things as I was reading about the making of this movie, it just hit me over and over again. They kept talking about how emotional it was, how meaningful it was to everybody involved. Because the family, Abraham came. He came and watched a lot of the process. Some of the other family members couldn't do it. It was too painful. But he was right in the thick of it. And just different parts of it just were were so emotional for the actors and, and everyone. There was a story about everyone crying at the table read when they had reached the scene involving the candlelight vigil that was held after Selena died and the way it played out apparently they they wanted to hear Selena's voice singing Dreaming of You in the background mm-hmm. so at this table read JLo was softly oh, singing gosh. that and they said every person oh my every person was crying Ugh. and Edward James Almos was the one who played Abraham oh, what in the a good movie choice. and he said this is the hardest film I've ever made it wasn't that nobody wanted to do it it was that it had to be done oh. like just how yeah, devastatingly sad film. that yeah. yes that this movie had to be made that this woman was tragically <sighs> murdered but they also had some really high points some some big celebrations one of the most touching moments I think for a lot of them was when they were filming Selena's iconic Houston Astrodome performance mm-hmm. they were filming it in the San Antonio Alamo Dome and the crew put out a call in the San Antonio Express News asking fans to come down and to dress as if they were headed to a Selena concert and the director writer Gregory Navas says we didn't know if anybody would show up 35,000 people came oh for free they didn't pay anybody anything. oh my goodness <laughs> I'm gonna get dude choked up I can't oh okay I know so the film which starred we have already said Edward James Almos and Constance Marie was the one we haven't named yet she played Selena's mom and of course Jennifer Lopez as Selena it debuted on March 21st 1997 less than two years they after made it Selena they did killed. it they made it wow it wasn't an, a blockbuster per se when it was initially released but gained yeah, such momentum. a following and they they refer to it as a cultural touchstone among Mexican Americans and was recognized in in 2021, just this past year, by the Library of Congress as historically and culturally important. Wow. I definitely yeah. need to see it. Yeah. J-Lo wrote on Instagram just this past March, because again, mm-hmm. you know, she said, I was so lucky to be chosen to play her. I'll never forget this time in my life. And it's an honor as an artist to have been part of the magic that is this movie. So that was the biopic. Okay. Let's talk about Selena's legacy and aftermath okay. of her death. So the tragedy, of course, front page news for days, which is credited with leading to the creation of People in Espanol, Newsweek in Espanol, oh. and Latina Magazine. After showing everybody, all these publishers, the size of the Hispanic oh. news market. Also, we had so many celebrities who were paying their respects to Selena. Gloria Estefan, Madonna were some of the ones who directly contacted the family to offer their condolences. Mm. Shortly before what would 
would have been Selena's 24th birthday. At that time, he was governor. George W. Bush declared April 16th Selena Day wow. in Texas. And in 2019, local lawmakers filed legislation to try to make Selena Day an official state holiday wow. rather than just an honorary one. And her impact continues. They have had everything from Selena-inspired clothing, makeup lines. There have been tribute albums, concerts, musicals, memorials, Barbie dolls, wax figures. I mean, everything to celebrate her life. And as we mentioned, just in the past couple of years, there was a series from Netflix about her. She remains a revered figure in Tejano and Latin music. She was honored with a Lifetime Achievement Award at the 2021 Grammys just last year. She is still known as the queen of Tejano music to most people. And something really relevant, but is actually a little controversial. It's been in the news just in the last few months that Abraham wanted to release a new album that was said to come out this month. Of course, we're recording on April 30th, and Mm -hmm. I looked it up this morning. I cannot find that it's been released. So I'm not sure if the controversy has changed those plans. What's the controversy? Well, he wanted to put out a new album using Selena's vocals from when she was a child. And they were like when like when she was doing all of that recording and all of that performing yeah. as a as a child and teenager, I should say, not okay. just as a child. But they were I think A B was involved with digitally aging her voice. Oh. And so, for example, they specifically mentioned one song from when she was thirteen that yeah. they were gonna try to take those vocals yeah. and try to make it sound as though it was her twenty three year old or her twenty two-year-old self singing so fans didn't like don't that. like the alteration of her voice they don't like the computer digitalization yeah. and all that why not just release it and this is what she sounded like when she was 13 and mm. it just be happy with it being new material or new to you material so that's it, people have gone both ways with that mm. one i'm not sure how that's well, going to play out because again i guess they could do two versions they could do the digitized and they could do the i don't know how that would work but they could do one where it's just her voice and one i don't know mm-hmm. Let them decide with their pocketbook. Well, and to wrap up this section, I have two other quotes from our Spanish students. Here's what Elena said. One of the things that I really admired about Selena was the fact that she never let fame get to her head. Part of the reason for this is the fact that Selena herself came from a poor family. In fact, she and her family were homeless for a time. Selena never forgot her humble beginnings and where she came from. Because of this, her fans admired her even more, especially the poorer fans. They could relate to this superstar on a deeper level. Representation is important, and she represented the poorer working family. And Noel said, the thing I admire about Selena is the fact that she never let anyone tell her who she was. She was a young woman, a minority, and someone who could be easily swayed. However, she didn't allow the record company, fame, or even her family dictate her identity. Yeah, that's true. Good yeah. insight. Armchair psychologist. So... For our armchair segment. Yes. Colin, our last student, had an insight that was interesting. Okay. It was a little different than some of the others. He said, I think that Selena's untimely young death has added to her fame. Since Selena died young, we are left with the best of her and her career. Had Selena lived longer, there is potential that her faults may have shown through, as in the case with numerous celebrities. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you your thoughts about what Colin offered and just about Selena's life and legacy in general. Well, I think Colin has a good thought. I think he's thinking like the James Dean effect. James Dean died Mm -hmm. very, very young, so would he have been such a pop culture icon? Would any have been such a pop culture icon Marilyn James Mm -hmm. Dean any of these folks if they had lived a natural life I don't know clearly we don't know what would have happened could she have become jaded by the situation in her family could her and her husband have broken up sure anything any of that could have happened I 
I think probably we would all prefer that, you know, mm. what it, it's the, what would you prefer? Do you want this eternal fame or do you want to live a long, happy life? Mm-hmm. That's flawed. I think we, we'd all pick a long, all, happy life. That's flawed. Yeah. You know, that has its up and ups and downs. I don't know what, what would have happened with her. I like to think that she would have stayed the same person, but probably she would, would not have. She would have fluctuated like all of us do. But what do you think? I had the advantage of, of having longer to think about this <laughs> yes, because, yes. you know, I got to see Colin's quote before you did and it was very thought provoking because what it made me think about was the injustice of it yes she was compared to Madonna right Mm -hmm. and I think about the fact that Madonna got to play out her career Mm -hmm. she had the chance to see how far she could go and Mm -hmm. she's she's probably still making albums today I don't know but when you think about her and her career compared to Selena it's just so unfair she never had a chance to break through to see how far she could go to live her life to make her mistakes to to have her her heartbreaks and her Mm -hmm. successes Mm -hmm. and and so she's captured forever in our mind as this amazing beautiful kind woman with the most unbelievable talent Mm -hmm. who never got to see it through it's like a supernova that's been that's launched and it's just at the peak instead of arcing and coming back down or just you know i don't mean that in a negative way but just traveling and and living its life it's just gone at Mm -hmm. the peak it's just evaporates right and to know it's stolen Mm -hmm. for the most ridiculous reason Mm -hmm. i mean that that i think that's just the injustice on top of the tragedy yeah that's what really strikes me i mean i I don't feel like i said a lot in this one because i'm trying not sincerely trying not to just kind of cry about Mm -hmm. this because i didn't know very much about it so learning all of this and just like you said learning about the injustice and the horror and how sweet she was and Mm -hmm. not that anybody deserves this that's not, not what i'm saying but the fact that she was this kind sweet gentle soul really Mm -hmm. it just hurts it really hurts yeah it does well a big thank you yes to christine for making the suggestion and her students for sending in these wonderful insights that have Mm -hmm. added to this episode yes and it definitely made me go i'm gonna go watch this Mm -hmm. it's just something that there have been certain things in my because this happened when i was around 15 so there's just been certain things that i just kind of missed they were just in my periphery because i wasn't involved in that kind of music or listen Mm -hmm. but that's something i need to learn about so i want to go watch this i feel like she made such an impact on so many people I feel like we owe it to her to to get the full Mm -hmm. measure of what all she did do I agree yeah so a big cheers to Selena cheers to you Selena this episode of Scandal Water was executive produced by Candy Thomas that's me and Ashley Raymer Brown that's me it was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown all music was written composed performed and mixed by Josh Martin The artwork was designed by Matt C. Adams, while our website was developed by Joshua Reith. If you like what you hear and you want to help keep the scandal water brewing, please go to our website, scandalwaterpodcast.com. Just click on your podcatcher of choice, then hit follow to subscribe. And while you're there, you might as well leave us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget, it's always more fun when you share your tea with others. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.